morning, everybody. How are the folks of Greater Alton doing today? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Cold weather got you down a little bit. I prefer this, the, the teachers this morning. The teachers, I, we have a, uh, I go through my lesson early for those who are teaching our children uh, beginning at 8.30 in the morning back in the back in the great room. And uh, you get two responses from that. One is it's a smaller group. And we're, I mean, we're in a smaller room, and we can actually interact, and they can answer questions out loud, verbally. And that's kind of nice, have more of a discussion at times. But it's 8.30 in the morning. So you're not sure if you're really getting through, or they're just not quite awake yet. So I, appreci- I, I kind of, in my own mind, refer to this to the awake crowd. So I'm glad you folks are here this morning. My name is Gary. And uh, we are glad you're here. If you're visiting with us, as, as Billy said, there's a number of us. I believe there's 50 or more of us that are down in Florida. Moan. Go ahead, groan. Oh. It was warmer here yesterday than it was in Florida. Oh, good. Yeah, yeah. There is a God, isn't there? That's what we like to hear. But if you're visiting with us, we are happy to have you here today. And uh, I am up here not all the time, but a lot of the time. Tim, the main guy that is here, him and his wife are in Florida. And in case you were you missed announcements, um, Billy Stegall was sharing that Denise's mother passed away this morning. Uh, if you did not know that, the arrangements are pending. They expect to be out of town next weekend. And uh, the text that I got from Tim just simp- you know informed us that she'd passed and just said, pray, pray, pray. Because the grieving process, there's nothing you or I can do except pray that God comforts them during that time. And so we ask you to remember that. Uh, one other quick announcement in your bulletin is that uh, there's something in there about Papa John's and ordering pizza. And if you order pizza today from Papa John's and mention the Greater Alton Church, we get a percentage of your money back here. And they said for the last two months, either nobody's bought pizza or nobody's mentioned Greater Alton. So we just want to remind you that if you are doing that, to be sure you mention Greater Alton. But anyway... Guys, I am excited about 2013. Are you excited about the new year? No, you don't have to be. You don't have to be. That's okay. I am. I am excited because I like the new beginning. I like the psychology of it that you can say, I mean, it gives us a point in time where you can go, that year is gone. Let's make this year better. And, guys, that, that excites me all by itself. But it excites me even more being here at Greater Alton when we come up with a theme that really gets us focused for the year. And uh, that theme, if you look, is the, is the first verse that is in your notes, that it says, A remnant of the family of Judah yet again will sink down roots and raise up fruit. And guys, the theme excites me every year, but some of them excite me more than others. And it excited me last year. Last year our theme was, We don't know what to do, but our eyes are on you. And we thought that was very descriptive because the elders said, we don't know what we're doing here. We really don't know. I mean, and we want to trust God. We want God to give us guidance. That comes out of a prayer that uh, King Jehoshaphat prayed in Second Chronicles 20. If you want to go back there and look at that. Uh, God gave me the idea to suggest that, and they went with it. This year, Mike Kithmeyer uh, came up with this passage of Scripture. And guys, I believe with all my heart, as a result of last year going, God, we don't know what to do. What should we do? I believe God's given us some direction here with this passage where he's saying, I want you to focus on sinking down roots so that fruit will be raised up. 
Uh, I, I, I am excited about that, even though my idea got second this year. Instead of first, Mike's idea is good, okay? I like it. I'm embracing it. I'm going with it. But, guys, the, the, whole, the whole concept of this is very, it's very simple. And when you look, it's amazing when God shows you something, how much you see it reaffirmed all through His Word. And a passage that Tim shared at our celebration service two weeks ago is from Luke 13, where Jesus is telling a story about a man who has some property. He's got a tree. He's got trees that are supposed to be bearing fruit. And there is a tree that is not bearing fruit. And so the man, the master, tells the servant, he says, cut the tree down. And the servant, this is his reply in in Luke chapter 13, verse 8, it says, Sir, the man replied, leave it alone for one more year. I'll dig around it and feed it. He goes on to say, you know, then if, it doesn't have, then if it doesn't have any fruit, we'll cut it down. But it's interesting. The problem that they see is there's no fruit. But where does he tell them to focus on? He tells them to focus on the roots. He sort of, that's what the servant says he's going to focus. He says, I'm going to dig around it, and I'm going to fertilize it. I'm going to feed it. And guys, honestly, we believe with all our heart. And I believe that's what this, this theme does for us for the year is gives us a focus. And what it says is we need to pay attention to what's going on with our roots, where we are rooted at. Because we've been a church, honestly, since the beginning that's focused on fruit, have we not? If you've been around, you know you're familiar with John 15, 8, correct? If you're truly my disciples, you'll bear fruit. That's what it says, proving to be my disciples. If you bear much fruit, you prove yourselves to be my disciples. And we've focused on fruit for a long time. But I believe it's wrong to focus on fruit without giving the roots attention. And it's amazing these passages that are there, and we start do, doing searches for roots. We, 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 we were going to be talking about, we want, it's amazing. We said, we want to focus on the roots. That's what God says. Focus on the roots, not the fruit. And our plan was to start off two weeks ago talking about fruit. That's not right. So we, said, we, we talked about it. And we said, guys, we've got to give attention to the roots. We have to focus on the roots because that's where, it's a, that's where God, we believe God has to give us the attention. Fruit is a natural result of focusing on the roots. I mean, that is the way it works. And last week, Tim talked about that we need to be rooted deeply in God's love. He talked about that from Ephesians chapter 3 where it says, may your roots go down deep into in the soil of God's marvelous love. And guys, I believe with all my heart that's still be, that is still a growth area for us here at Greater Alton. That we've got to be rooted in God's love. We've got to understand it. Because you can do everything you want. I mean, this is what the Bible says. It doesn't matter how many good things you do. If there's not love involved, it's useless. And so, guys, that's what it's all about. And I believe with all my heart, you can't follow Jesus correctly without understanding His love. Otherwise, it's just like trying to obey a boss. Or, or a dictator, and that's not what it's about. And so, guys, today we're going to be talking about being rooted in lordship. We're talking about being rooted in lordship, and the passage we're looking at is in Colossians chapter 2, verses 6 and 7. And this is what it says. And now, just as you accepted Christ Jesus as your Lord, you must continue to follow Him. Let your roots go down into Him and let your lives be built on Him. See, guys, 
here you have the same concept, that same metaphor of roots and where our roots are at and what are they talking about. They're talking about having Jesus as Lord. That's what he says. He says, just as you accepted Christ Jesus as Lord, continue. Like your roots go down deep into Him. So today what we're going to be talking about is having our roots deep into the Lordship of Jesus. Now, I don't know if you know what that means. What does that mean? Honestly, the word Lord isn't a popular term in today's society, is it? We're Americans. Okay, the idea of having somebody Lord over us. We are a free country. We don't listen to that concept. That concept is foreign to most of us, naturally. So we wanted to talk about what does, it look, what does Jesus' Lordship look like? And the first thing we wanted to tell you is that it's mandatory. The Lordship of Jesus is mandatory. In Luke 14, there were big crowds of people following Jesus. And he tells them some different illustrations. He turns to them and it says later on, there's a result, many quit following him when he got tough like this. But this is what it says. It says, in the same way, those of you who do not give up everything you have cannot be my disciples. Now, when he says give up everything you have, he does not mean you've got to sell all your possessions and give them away. Give them to the church. Bring them in. No, he doesn't say that. He doesn't imply that. When he says give up everything you have, he's meaning you're relinquishing your rights to it. He means that if you're going to follow Jesus, you're going to let him be Lord of every area of your life. You're going to let him be Lord of your relationships, your dating relationship, your marriage relationship. You're going to let him be Lord of your money, how you spend your money, how you think about money, how you approach your money. He's going to let you be Lord of your, of your parenting, of your being a child. He's going to let you be, he, you are going to be Lord of everything. And guys, it's just not an optional thing. That's what he says here. What he says, those of you who do not give up everything you have, what? Cannot be my disciples. You see, guys, in today's world, we don't want to do that. We want to be, still have control of our lives. It's the American way, right? The American dream. You heard the commercials for American Family? Have you heard those? The American dream's out there. What's yours? You see, guys, God doesn't. Jesus didn't say that. Go chase your dream. He said, come follow me. And, guys, that's what it's about. Following Jesus is mandatory. Second thing, guys, and I want to, this may sound contradictory as soon as I say it, but not only is it mandatory, it's voluntary. Does that sound contradictory? Yeah, it does, and it's not. Okay, I'll explain. Guys, when you think of lordship, an illustration that may come to your mind is that of a puppet. Have you ever seen the puppets where they get the guy who stands up above and they've got the, the cross with the strings, you know, and they turn it and the guy, the little thing dances, you know. Smile, smile, raise your hand, raise your hand, wave, raise your hand, kick your foot, kick your foot, you know. And the guy up above is pulling the strings, right? Sometimes we have a concept of God that says, I don't want to be controlled. I'm going to be honest with you, God doesn't want to control you. That's not how the Lordship of Jesus works. You see, the way the Lordship of Jesus works is you're like a puppet. Yeah, he's looking down on you, and he wants you to do things a certain way. But he doesn't have strings that he's pulling. Okay? 
He wants you to ask Him what you're supposed to do. He wants you to seek Him. He wants you... If Jesus wants you over here... Jesus, Lord, you want me over here? Okay, great. I'll wave at the people. Okay, wave at the people. He wants you to seek what you're supposed to do. He's not going to pull the strings on it. Um, see, guys, you have a mind of your own. And, guys, just a side note, and this is kind of the way it is. Danny, come up here for a minute. Would you, you're in the front row, buddy. Justin's on crutches. I couldn't pull him up here. <laughs> you hurting, too? No, I, I'm old. That's why I'm hurting. Oh, well. Guys, we, we've, we've reemphasized what we call discipling around here. Okay? And all that is is where Jesus in Matthew 28 says that you need to go make disciples, baptize them, and teach them to obey everything. And we recognize that obeying Jesus isn't a natural occurrence for most of us, and we need people in our lives. And we don't want to just have friendships, okay? Danny and I could go deer hunting all day long, all year long, if we got the chance. We don't want a friendship that's just based on deer hunting or, or similar interests. We want a friendship that is based on us both obeying Jesus in greater capacity every day of our lives. Now, in the past, discipling kind of worked out like this, where we thought it was like the puppet, except we thought somebody had the strings. And, you know, Danny, you're not doing what you're supposed to be doing. You're not doing what you're supposed to be doing. Yeah, that's the way it works. Guys, that's not what discipling is all about. Discipling is somebody standing beside you, just like this, a friend, and we help each other. Have you seen what the Lord said to do? You knew? You do? Okay. And my, my responsibility in Danny's life isn't to make sure he does what he's supposed to do. Okay? My responsibility in Danny's life is to help him to find out what the Lord wants him to do. Now, that may involve telling him something I've been through. That may involve pointing at somebody else that's been through this struggle. That may, it will always involve, look at what Jesus said. Now, after I've done that, my responsibility's done. It's about you wanting to please the Lord and whether or not you're going to volunteer to do that. Okay, thank you. You can sit down there. You see, guys, there's a passage. It's not in your notes. But there's a passage that should be up on the screen here. It's in Ephesians chapter 5. And this is what it says. It's a kind of long passage. We're going to begin reading verses 8 down through 17. It says, For you were once full of darkness... But now you have light from the Lord. So live as people of light. For the light within you produces only what is good and right and true. Here it comes, guys. If this was on your notes, I'd ask you to circle it, underline it, highlight it. Carefully determine what pleases the Lord. Take no part in the worthless deeds of evil and darkness. Instead, expose them. It's shameful even to talk about the things that ungodly people do in secret. But their evil intentions will be exposed when the light shines on them. For the light makes everything visible. This is why it is said, Awake, O sleeper, rise up from the dead, and Christ will give you light. So be careful how you live. Don't live like fools, but live like those who are wise. Make the most of every opportunity in these evil days. Don't act thoughtlessly, but understand what the Lord wants you to do. You see, guys, I just got a question. There's two thoughts that are expressed in that passage. 
And I've got to ask you, are these the thoughts that guide your day? One of them says, carefully determine what pleases the Lord. And the other one is, understand what the Lord wants you to do. You see, guys, if you are a disciple of Jesus, if you are committed to Him as being your Lord, if you say, I wanted to be saved, and to be saved, I know I have to commit to you as Lord, you need to then continue every day seeking what pleases Him. Because it does not come natural to you. All right? And I'm going to be talking about that in a little bit. It's not a once you make the decision, it's all done. And we're going to be talking about how this continues and it goes on and on and on and on. You see, guys, I'm a person of routines. Does anybody else have their routines that they like, that they believe? I believe that a person should have everything in their life Every possession they have organized in such a way that they could guide somebody to find them over the phone in the dark. Okay? And I believe if you have routines to do that, my wife doesn't think the same way as I do. She doesn't. Now, God has blessed us with having to work together every day. And my wife doesn't think like I do. She doesn't at all. And so there's days where I end up in one town, and the glass that I need is is 30 miles away. Now, the problem for this is because she doesn't think like me. And we've had to deal with this. I think I would have had the glass delivered over here. She didn't think about that way. She put it over here and then put on my invoice that it was over here. I don't read my invoice because my routine says I don't have to read my invoice. The glass will be over here. One of our solutions is we only have one place that glass is delivered now. And we happened the other day and she says, I did something wrong. I didn't read my invoice still. And I said, honey, I'm still, what it was, was we have glass delivered to Edwardsville and I immediately started to head to Greenville. She said, what are you doing? I said, well, my routine has not been broken yet. You know, I'm still in my old routine to go where I think it's at. Even though I know this is what it's about, you're going to have to plan on this. Guys, routines are so that I don't have to think about things all the time. I never used to have to think about where my glass was. Why? Because I knew where it was delivered. I arranged for it that way. She doesn't think that way, so now it doesn't work that way. I'm not sure what was said over there. Gosh, she wants me to read the tickets. It's on the tickets. That's her routine, okay? You can see the struggle here, right? Whose routine is better? I'm sure she'll have something to say all for a minute here. Guys, but honestly, I develop routines in my life, so I I don't have to think about certain things. All right? Jesus wants me to be concerned. He wants my routine to be what pleases Him. In my relationship with God and in my daily life, He wants me to be concerned with what pleases Him. You see, now here's the way it works. We tend to be people who like routines. And religiously we come up with them. We don't always call them this, but we come up with rules. Sometimes law. That's why a lot of churches tend towards being very legalistic. And some churches actually write up rules okay, that they want you to go by. And I'll just be honest with you, and we're going to be talking about this later in the year. We're not immune to this either here. 
Okay? We just haven't written the rules down. But we have rules. And guys, that's not how God wants it to be. If you go back through the Bible and you look at the life of Jesus, one of the amazing things about Jesus is the fact that he didn't do things the same way all the time. I mean, he healed people. One of the biggest things he did here on earth was he healed people. And when he healed people, he didn't do it the same way every time. And the majority of the time, what you see him doing is touching people. He'd touch them, and they get healed better. They get all better, they get healed. One time you see somebody touching him. They're reaching out to touch him, and they can be healed that way. Well, those are different routines. Another time, a guy, blind man comes to him, and instead of just touching him, he, he spits in the dirt, the dust, makes some mud, and smears it on the guy's eyes. I don't know why he did Another time a guy comes to him and says, my servant is sick. This guy is not, he's a Roman citizen. He's not a Jewish person. He's not a follower of Jesus, but he's heard what Jesus can do. And he said, I believe you can heal my servant. And I don't even want you to come to me. I know you can give the word. And so Jesus healed him from a distance. Just, he's healed. Just thought it, I guess. I don't know what he, how he did it. But it said that very hour the servant was healed. Another time, one of Jesus' close friends, Lazarus, word gets to, to Jesus that Lazarus is sick. Jesus lets him die. So he can raise him from the dead. But he said, that's brought glory to God. And guys, my point is that when you look at Jesus and you look at him as being our example, and him as being a human being, he had to obey his father. All right? He was not immune to this. When he was a human here on earth... God, His Father, was His Lord. And you see Him not doing everything the same way every time. He, but He had a connection with His Father that said, I know what pleases the Father. My question is, guys, is that the way you approach life? Is that the way you're approaching the Lordship of Jesus? Where you go, I want to know what pleases, pleases the Lord. You see, we, we always want to look at things and go, what does God say? And guys, God doesn't give an answer for every last solution. Do you know that? He doesn't say, if you run into this situation, here is what you do. He does, I guarantee you, you, you have a situation in your life right now that you can't find a specific same situation in the Bible. It doesn't exist. But I guarantee you there's a principle that applies to it. You know, He doesn't say anything about how to be a good employee directly. He doesn't ever say, when you are an employee, when you punch a time clock and the, and, the, and the boss gives you a paycheck, you're entitled to certain rights. And you can expect, he doesn't say that. But he does talk about the relationship between a slave and a master. Which, I'm sorry, but that's really about the biggest parallel you have for being, a, being an employee. And you know what it tells him? You know what he tells a slave? You know what he tells a slave pleases is pleasing to God and you, you look at it in second Peter chapter 2 you can look at it up on yourself but what he tells him is if you're beaten and he's talking about giving a physical beating by your master if you're beaten for doing what's right no no if you're beaten for doing what's wrong and you got a good attitude that's no big deal you just got what you deserved but if you get a beating for doing the right thing and you have a good attitude to, about it, this is pleasing to God. 
Now, I want to ask you, if God gives that kind of specific instruction to a slave to have a good attitude when he's beaten for doing nothing wrong and beaten for doing the right thing, he says, when you have a good attitude and you work hard for your master in spite of that, what do you think he expects of you as an employee? Does that apply? You see, but we live in America where we have rights, don't we? And our first thought isn't what pleases God. What does God say? Our first thought is, I have rights. And you see, guys, that's what you have to do. We have got to ask the question. I have, I, I have, a, I have a dream, a goal, a desire, however you want to see it. You know, there, there's certain catchphrases in, in groups, and specifically in religious groups, that catch on and people follow. And one of them, you know, around here has been in the past, have you sought any advice about that? Guys, what I hope a catchphrase that comes on when you're talking with somebody else and you're talking about things going on in your life is that somebody says, what does the Lord say about that? What do you think the Lord wants you to do about that? What do you think would please God here? You see, because that may be totally different than what we think we ought to do. And I guarantee it's different than what you're going to feel like doing. You see, guys, and that covers every area of your life. Did you know there's nothing in the Bible about dating? It didn't exist. I mean, people got engaged. A lot of times it was arranged, and then they just showed up at the wedding. I mean, that was the general way it worked. None of this going out on a date. None of this checking out other people. You know, oh, I don't like you. Let's try somebody else. That didn't exist. But did you know it has something to say about dating? I mean, it has principles that apply. You see, it, it says in book First Corinthians, it says you're not to be unequally yoked with an unbeliever. You see, guys, I, believe, I, don't, I don't believe you should date a non-Christian, but that's not a rule. I don't believe you should date a non-Christian because... I don't think it pleases God. Because he said he doesn't want you unevenly yoked. He's very plain about keeping a dating relationship sexually pure. Now, what does that mean? Well, how far can we go? What What does that mean? Well, he says there shouldn't even be a hint of sexual immorality in your life. What does that mean? How does that apply to a dating relationship? Do you think it pleases God that you spend time alone in the dark with your with your person you're dating? Is that a hint? Besides being a temptation, you tell me, is, is the way you're acting pleasing to God? That's the question that you have to ask, guys, and it's a voluntary deal. See, the truth of the matter is, a lot of us are like, the people who sign up to go to the military to get money for college, have you heard about some of these people? And then they get sent overseas to go to war. And so what do they do? They sue the country. They sue to get out of their obligation. And it's just amazing to me. You know, you hear on the radio and one of these guys says, well, I, I didn't sign up to go to war. I just signed up to get money for college. You see, the truth of the matter is, guys, that is the way a lot of us approach Jesus as Lord of our lives. We accept Him as Lord because we want to be saved. We accept Him as Lord because we realize we've screwed up our lives on our own. And then we get to something difficult. 
And what do we say? I want out of my obligation. Except we don't have to sue anybody to do it. We just stop doing what he tells us to do. You see, guys, I want to ask you a question. And you see, what we're talking about here is, 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 is more about connection. We're, it's more about connection. And it's a connection that you choose to have. God doesn't have strings controlling you. But He wants you to have a connection with Him, and your desire is to please Him. So, guys, I want to ask you, what is more dominant thought expressed in your prayers? Is it a more dominant thought that says, Jesus, I want to please you? I want to be the man or woman you want me to be, regardless of what that means. Or is what dominates your prayer, Jesus, I'm not happy with my life. Will you do what pleases me? Will you change the circumstances of my... What do you mean I need to be a better attitude at work? How about you just give me another job? Guys, which are, which are you more likely to have? You see, guys, because it's voluntary. And I'm sorry to say that we can step down and we, cannot be, we, can, we can unvolunteer if we ain't careful. Guys, the third thing I want to talk about, about what's the Lordship of Jesus look like, is it's purposeful. We used to teach a class here at Greater Alton called 101. And it was just telling people, visitors who came to Greater Alton, about what the church was like, what we believed, what we thought. And the opening statements of that class, we made the statement that we believe true happiness can only be found by finding God's purpose for your life. And I'm going to let you know that I believe God has a purpose for every person in this room. God has a purpose for your life. The question is, are you going to embrace that? Are you going to fulfill it? There's two passages of Scripture that are not on your notes. I'm going to read these through you. One's in Luke chapter 7. And it says this. All the people, even the tax collectors, when they heard Jesus' words, acknowledged that God's way was right because they had been baptized by John. But the Pharisees and experts in the law rejected God's purpose for themselves. Because they had not been baptized by John. Then in Acts 13, verse 36, this is what it says about David. It says, now when David had served God's purpose in his own generation, he fell asleep. Or he died. See guys, when you look at those two passages, what do you see? You see that God has a purpose for two different people, or two different groups of people in this. And you see David, who he fulfilled God's purpose... And you see the teachers of the law and the Pharisees in Luke who rejected God's purpose for their life. See, I believe with all my heart, guys, right now, you want to know, I believe the God of this universe has a purpose for your life. He has something He wants you to do here on this earth. That's not a question. And I, I, I limited what I looked at here. I mean, we could go through, honestly, verse after verse after verse, how God uses people and gives them a purpose. And I mean, you could teach a, you could teach a whole series on this, about you, God has a purpose for your life. But the main question you have to understand is, do you want to accept His purpose or not? Or are you going to reject His purpose for your life? 
You see, I believe most of us as Americans, and I keep talking about this because I believe it's what we have to, we have to recognize the influences around us. We're like the American, we, the American family dream, uh, commercial. The American dream is out there. What's yours? We want to protect it. And guys, we believe that we're supposed to write our own script. We're supposed to find out what we want to do and what we're good at and, we're, and then ask God to bless it. God's already written for you what He wants you to do. You know that? And it starts. Here's the deal. You don't find out unless Jesus is Lord of your life. Unless He continues to be Lord of your life. God has a purpose for your life, but do you believe it? Do you believe it enough to impact the way you live on a day-to-day basis? See, guys, look at this. In 2 Timothy chapter 2, he gives us, he shows us here that we have control. We have control over whether or not we're going to be used for God's purposes or not. It says, in a large house there are many articles, not only of gold and silver, but also of wood and clay. Some are for special purposes, and some are for common use. Those who cleanse themselves from the latter will be instruments for special purposes, made holy, useful to the Master, and prepared to do any good work. You see, guys, he says those who cleanse themselves from the latter. What does that mean? Honestly, who, who rise above common purpose. You're here to do more than to live, breathe, have a job, have a family, and die. That's common to everybody. Having a great education probably isn't your purpose. Making a lot of money is a common purpose. Having a great career is a common purpose. But letting Jesus be Lord of your life and letting Him determine your purpose? That's a noble purpose. That's a noble purpose. You see, guys, a lot of times motivational speakers, they'll tell you examples of people who have gotten their act together. And even, even in churches, you know, this person was this way and they trusted God and prayed and everything worked out wonderful. Everything got better. Their marriage got better. Their kids got better. And every, we try to present a case where following God is, always, is great and is the way we want it and is the same as the American dream. But the Bible is full of stories of people who fulfilled God's purpose. One of those, one of my favorite ones is in the Old Testament where God gave a man a dream and He said, you're going to rule over your family. And that dream came true. 22 years afterwards. In those 22 years, He was separated from His family. His name was Joseph. And at the age of 17, His ten brothers hated Him so badly because He was a good guy. Okay? He was a good guy. They were evil men. They were, and instead of killing him, they decided to sell him as a slave. So he spent the next 13 years from the age of 17 to 30, first as a slave and then as a prisoner. And the Bible, they didn't have cable TV in the prison he was in. Okay, it was described as a dungeon. And he spent another nine years after that separated from his family. Guys, one of the, I have a, had a phobia when, when I first had kids, and, and that was that they were going to be taken away from me. You do that? I mean, I, 
You hear about kids being kidnapped and um, taken away, and you don't know. I mean, these stories, you want to get me to read an article online? You tell about a kid being found years later, and I want to know about it. Because that's just one of the biggest fears I have is I'd rather be dead than me not know where they're at and how they're being treated. Guys, that's what happened to Joseph. 22 years. And when he was all sent, when he gets reunited with his brothers, he quickly forgives them and tells them, you intended this for evil, God intended it for good. And the Bible also tells us that during this time, it says that until the time came to fulfill the word of the Lord, the Lord tested Joseph's character. See, God's purpose in his life was to develop Joseph into being the kind of man Literally, that could run the world. He was in control of the food food supply of the world at the age of 30. And God prepared him for that through all these bad things. Do you think Joseph would have signed up for that? Do you think that was his American dream? But he stands out as a guy in the Bible that nothing bad is ever said about. And he stands out as an example for me personally of how I can trust God with giving me the purpose for my life. If He can make something horrendous like that into something good, I say, sign me up. I say, I'm going to trust you, Father. God's another person in the Bible. You know, a major struggle with single people is wanting to be married, is it not? That's a godly desire. You want it. There's a prophet in the Old Testament who was a single man. And he was a man of God. And God comes to him and tells him, I've got a wife picked out for you. Now, I don't know about you, but if God told me, you got a wife picked out for me, I'm going to go, I'm going to be juiced up. Let's see what it is. Let's see what it is. He goes, okay, I want you to marry this woman over here. Father, she's a prostitute. You want me to marry a prostitute? Well, you know, that might not be so bad. You know, I'm just telling you my sinful thought process, okay? It might be a useful skill. Okay, I'm, and God says, this is, this is, guys, go back and read Hosea. You'll see, you'll see, this, I'm, I'm not embellishing here except for my thoughts. He asks, or he t- God tells him, he says, I, I need an illustration to show the people how much I love them and how sinful they are. And so I want you to go marry a prostitute. And he tells him, she's going to be unfaithful to you. And not only is she going to be unfaithful to you, but she's going to have children that are not yours. And then she's going to sell herself back as a prostitute. And then I want you to go buy her back. Now, I don't know about you, but I would not sign up for that. I mean, if you do, you're one sick puppy. That's all I can tell you. Oh, yeah, it's come. I would have a hard time believing God if that's what it is. But here's the situation, guys. God's purposes were greater than Hosea's circumstances. And he trusted God enough to say, listen, you got a purpose for my life? I know that's going to be following you. And honestly, guys, the book of Hosea is an amazing book. 
You want to understand our sinful tendency, and you want to understand how much God loves us. See, that's what God said to Hosea. I need an illustration that's going to let the people know how much I love them. And I want to let them know that I love them even when their sin is the equivalent of this, what this prostitute's going to do to you. And I need a clear way to illustrate it, and this is what I need you to do. You see, guys, Hosea accepted the fact that God's purposes were greater than his circumstances. Now, I don't believe he told him everything right up front, all about how it was all going to end up. But here's the question, guys. Do you believe that God's purposes are greater than, than anything else for, you, for your life? Better than your circumstances? You see, because just because God has a purpose for your life, that doesn't mean that you're going to realize that purpose. Unless you work with God. Because you can be just like the Pharisees. Or you can be like King David, who in this verse here, I believe he did what this verse said. He cleansed himself from, com- for com- from common use and prepared himself for noble purposes for God. Guys, you're going to have to do that. Lastly, guys, the last thing about the Lordship of Jesus is that it's perpetual. It's perpetual. Colossians 2, it says, Just as you accepted Christ Jesus as Lord, you must continue to follow Him. Luke chapter 9, verses 23 to 25, it says, If any of you want to be my followers, you must forget about yourself. You must take up your cross each day and follow me. If you want to save your life, you will destroy it. Don't we know that? But if you give up your life for me, you will save it. What will you gain if you own the whole world but destroy yourself or waste your life? See, guys, he says what? You've got to continue. You can't just start with Jesus as Lord. You've got to continue. I've shelled earlier about my routines. The reason I like routines is because once I set them in motion, I don't have to give them attention anymore. That doesn't work when it comes to having Jesus as Lord of my life. How do I know that? Because it says, He said that if I'm going to follow Him, I've got to take up my cross each day. And what that means is, I've got to forget about myself each day. I can't make the decision once and be done with it. It's got to go on and on and on and on. I've got to decide it each day. Because as soon as I think, oh, I've got it down. This is easy. I've got lo- following Jesus as Lord is on cruise control. I've done it long enough now. He lets something else pop up that I had no idea about. And I'm challenged. Am I going to be Lord of this area over here too, Gary? You going to be Lord of this? See, guys, in Romans chapter 12, it talks about us being a living sacrifice. And that's what it is. Do you know what the problem with a living sacrifice is? It tends to crawl off the altar. You know, and that's the truth, guys. We go, oh, I'll die for Jesus. I'll die to myself here. Die to myself on my finances. Great. Die to myself on working hard at work. Great. Die to myself when it comes to having a good attitude with a bad boss. I'll do that. Love my wife unconditionally. Wait a minute. 
forgive somebody who hurt me? They're abusive, God. You want me to forgive them? Love my enemies? Live a sexually pure life in this world? Really? I listen to uh, sports radio, 101.1. And if you haven't heard about this guy from Notre Dame who has all the problems with the online, it was all the talk. The only good thing was it was it took, took, quit, got us to quit talking about Lance. But they were talking about it, guys, and, and, and they just mentioned this. DeMarco Farr on 101.1 in the afternoon, he was talking, and I don't know exactly what he was saying, but there was another sports college sports figure. I don't know who he was. I remember reading about him briefly in Sports Illustrated. I want to say he was a football player, but he was a guy who was committed to Jesus. And God led him to a woman who was committed to Jesus. And they're very public about their relationship. They did not kiss till the day they were married. In their desire for sexual purity, they didn't kiss. And this is a very popular concept that's going on, okay, in pe- with people who are committed to Jesus. Going, I want to live sexual purity. Guess what? I can stay away from this. And they were just mocking. They, they just briefly, I, they can believe the man... The, the Notre Dame guy, I can't pronounce his name, Manteo, is that correct? Monte Teo. I can believe this, but this story over here about the guy saying, I prayed, she showed up, we got married, then we kissed. No. You see, guys, if Jesus is Lord, when it comes to sexual purity, we've got to listen to what he has to say. And that's not easy to do. And guys, it's going to go on and on and on. I heard a guy one time years ago, he was a youth minister at a church up in Bloomington. He says, I don't believe a teenager should become a Christian. We don't baptize a teenager until they've experienced sexual struggle because that's the greatest temptation they'll ever have in their life. Really? I'd like to see how he felt about that ten years later when he had kids and the stress and all that. I used to think that. This is the greatest struggle I'll ever have. As a single man, that's what I thought. That's not true. I got married. I had children. I have a job. I have to earn a living. And obeying Jesus sexually as a single man was simple compared to some of these other things. And I'm just being honest with you guys. That's the way it is. So, guys, that's what Lordship of Jesus looks like. The rest of our notes is a little bit different than what we're used to. Normally we sit here and we say, okay, this is what we're supposed to do now. Now it's application time. And these notes... In all honesty, it's an evaluation. And we are asking, Tim and Alan and I are asking you to go through this and to evaluate where you are, where your roots are in the Lordship of Jesus. And the reason we want you to do that is because we, you can't be rooted correctly unless you realize when you're not rooted correctly. I don't know how else to put that. And these notes are designed, if you can check off where you are right now, great. But we understand you may need to give this some thought because you want to be honest about it. You may need to sit with God during your quiet times this week or your devotional times, and you need to look at this and you need to ask God, really, God, how deep are my roots? And so as we go through this, we're not asking you to fill every, every blank or to circle everything right now. 
but we are asking you to do that. Okay? Because how deep are my roots? And we've identified four, four different depths of roots, if you will, in a relationship with Jesus. The first one is surface. And that equals that Jesus is not Lord and I'm not doing nothing to make Him Lord. Two weeks ago, we looked at the parable of the soils. And I encourage you to you can listen to it online at greateraltonchurch.com. You can go back to the information booth and, and buy the CD for $2 if you weren't here. But it says that it compares God, in the parable of the soils, it compares God's word to seed that's spread out. And some of it hits the surface of a path and the birds come and eat it which is, represents Satan, and no change is made. The Word of God has no effect in a person's life. And guys, I'm just going to be honest with you. You know, my little illustration up here a while ago with Danny, that's all good and fine, but you know when that breaks down? If I assume that Danny wants Jesus to be Lord of his life, and I start pointing out to him, how to please the Master and what the Master says, and he really doesn't want Jesus to be Lord of his life, what's going to happen? We're not going to like each other very much. It's not going to go well at all. And guys, I just, I just, I just want to be real. Okay? Because we don't want to assume, if you're a member here at Greater Alton, that you really are trying to make Jesus Lord of your life, if you're not. If, you, if you're in that position and you're saying, listen, Jesus is not Lord of my life and I'm not doing anything about it, could you please let us know? I mean, we're not going to hate you over it. We're gonna, we don't want you to be there. Okay? But we're not going to bother you either. We're not going to bother you trying to get you to make Him Lord, expect you to live that way if you're not trying yourself. Guys, the second level there is shallow. And that is, I chose Jesus as Lord, but obeying Jesus got difficult and I've stopped trying. I'm stuck. Two weeks ago, in the parable of soils, it was called the rocky soil. And that's what it says. There's people who, who accept Jesus as Lord. They accept Him as Savior. And they're all excited about it. It says they accept Him with joy. And then basically things get difficult. Obeying Jesus gets difficult. And I want to tell you, that's true for everybody. But the problem with these people's shallow roots is they stop. They quit. And I said that last week, or two weeks ago, that just because you quit making Jesus Lord of your life, or you quit trying to do Him because it got difficult, doesn't mean you quit coming here. And I believe there's people who keep coming even after they've decided this is too difficult. I don't want to try to understand all that. But you get to something like we just talked about in, in a dating relationship or in sexual purity or in a relationship with a spouse. You know, uh, I, want, I want my marriage to be better and Jesus didn't make my marriage better. In fact, it's gotten worse since then. Well, just because Jesus wants you to be different. Well, I'm not going to be different till the other till my spouse is different. You're stuck. And that's why it says, guys, my rock is. If you see yourself in shallow soil, I want you to identify what's difficult for you to follow Jesus. You know, is it forgiving somebody? 
You're not going to have a relationship with Jesus, you know, unless you can forgive people. That's what Jesus said. I didn't say that. He says it ain't going to work. Because I'm going to forgive you the way you forgive other people. And forgiveness is not an evil, th- easy thing to do. Somebody's hurt us. Somebody's abused us. Somebody's taken advantage of us. Somebody's been insensitive and didn't realize they hurt us. And I don't want to forgive them. Guys, what's your rock? The third level here is skimpy. Skimpy. Why skimpy? Because they all start with S and I couldn't think of nothing else. I couldn't think of anything that had to do with what I wanted to talk about, so I just stuck with an S. And skimpy. Skimpy has to do with skimpy fruit. There's no fruit. Two weeks ago we talked about what was called, Jesus talked about thorny soil. And the seed that falls on thorny soil, it grows, but it says the worries of this life, the desires uh, for other things, the deceitfulness of wealth, choke it out. doesn't kill it. You still have faith. But there's no fruit. There's no evidence of your faith in your life. There's no change in your attitude. There's no change in your level of joy. There's no change in your love. You see, guys, I believe this is, a, this is the, the group that most Christians fall into if you've been around a while. A year ago, um, we had car problems in our house. We, we have two PT cruisers. My wife drives one. My oldest son drives another one. And the water pump went out on my son's PT cruiser. And we did not have the $1,200 to have it fixed or whatever it was. So non-mechanical Gary had to fix it. And I did what everybody did. I got on YouTube, got online, found instructions, very good instructions. And uh, I had to end up calling Tim to come over. I got stuck, and Tim had to come help me. And so we finished Jonathan's car. And the day he got there, he, we didn't finish it. We got, got over the hump. We got most of it done. And the day that he came over, we diagnosed my wife's with the same problem. And I got Jonathan's all back together, and we had done it wrong. So we had to take it all back apart. So I got to do this three times, okay? The last time only took me six hours. After you've done it three times, it should take you less time, okay? This is the way that works. But in the middle of all this, from the time I first started working on cars to the time I was done, was about six weeks. In the middle of this, my daughter, beautiful, godly Jessie, asked me a question. She said, Dad, do you know what you're doing when fixing Jonathan's car? Or are you just piddling around hoping something good's going to happen? <laughs> Gotta love teenagers, don't you? And in all honesty, guys, it was a very fair question. I'm just being honest. Okay, I'm not known for my mechanical ability. And I explained to her, you know, listen, I got instructions, I'm doing this, I'm doing that. And the fact that I got it done, I believe, proved that I was not piddling around. But that's a side note. Guys, the truth is, when it comes to Jesus being Lord of our lives, I believe there's a lot of us that are piddling around, hoping that fruit's going to just show up, hoping that something good's going to happen. 
You know, we follow Jesus in some things, but we still got the rock over there. We still got the difficult things, and we're not dealing with them. We still got attitudes of the heart. We still have desires for other things. And Jesus isn't Lord of every area of our lives. And you want to know how you fall into this? If you know, listen, I believe in Jesus. I trust Jesus. I'm not turning my back on Jesus. But honestly, there's no fruit in your life. People look at you and you, they say, you're the same person I've always known you to be. And I challenge you guys, if you think you're in, if, if, as you go through this, if you look and you say, you talk to the people around you and you say, what fruit do you see in my life? Talk to the people who know you the best and they're going to be honest with you. And you really want to be brave. Ask God to show you. Because He will. He really will. See, guys, we don't want Greater Alton to be described this way. We don't want to be known as a group of people who just piddle around in their relationship with Jesus. We want to be a people who are fully committed to Jesus. We want to be people who... When they come in here, we go, they're serious about following Jesus as Lord. That's what it is. Guys, the last level is subterranean. Deep. Fully committed to Jesus as Lord. And there's much visible fruit in my life. Guys, we want to ask you today, if you can fill that out, and there's, a, there's an area at the end that says, my decision today is... We don't, and again, I wanted to call everybody to a decision today, but I understand that you may not be able to decide this today. You may have to look at this. And I'll be honest with you, I would rather you go away from here and spend some time with God, look at what His Word has to say, talk to people who know you best, and ask, where am I at? But I would like... We are asking every person who's a member of a greater Alton to evaluate themselves and where they are over the coming weeks. And we would like for you to let us know. Because we don't want to assume. Does that make sense? We don't want to do that. And we want you to identify where you're at. If you look and go, man, I'm skimping. I don't have much fruit in my life. Identify what the thorns are. Identify what gets in the way. If you look in your life and say, I know what's difficult. I believe if, you, I believe if you're, if you're, if you're uh, shallow, if you have shallow roots when it comes to the Lordship of Jesus, I believe you probably know right now what area you're looking at and going, this is too difficult for me. Because we want you to identify it and we want you to let us know. Okay? Fill it out on your communication card that's in your, in your bulletin next week. Uh, talk to your disciple about it or somebody who you're just you're close to. Let us know. We want to know. I believe there's no greater place. We had a, a, a communication card come to us, I don't know, six, eight weeks ago. And the person was just very honest about where they were. And they weren't in a good place. And my response was, I'm glad they see it. Because now they can work on it. They're not in denial about it. They're not deceived about it. Guys, we want you to see where you are. Because we want our roots to go deep this year. We don't want our roots to stay where they're at. If we're going to be 
the people that God wants us to be. We need to get our roots where they need to be. So guys, whatever, whatever it is, we want you to know where it is. You may be, guys, if, you're, if you look and you say, listen, there's fruit in my life, I can tell you what it is. People have told me they see these differences in my life, and I am committed to Jesus. We want you to just to reaffirm that. Reaffirm it to go deeper, to help other people around you go deeper. Guys, this is the church that we want to be. We want a church who has deep roots in the Lordship of Jesus. You see, guys, and I just want to, Robert Vogel is going to be up here in a bit to do communion, and he's going to talk more about this. But this is not about being perfect. I want to be clear about this. All right? I mean, I believe with all my heart, my roots are at the subterranean level. But I'm not perfect. Even as I prepared for this, Jesus is showing me areas where he's going, you know, you can go a little bit deeper here. You know, you got to give some attention over here. Guys, we're talking about the direction of your life, not the not perfection. And I want to make sure you understand that. And Robert's going to talk more about that as he prepares our thoughts for communion after we sing this last, sing a song. I'm going to pray. We're going to sing a song. We're doing things a little bit different. We changed up the routine, okay? Just because it fit. But please, guys, let's look at where we're at. Let's pray, shall we?